welcome to the sixth season of Scene to Song, a musical theater podcast for people who love to discuss, critique, and celebrate musicals as a literary art form. I'm your host, Shoshana Greenberg, and each episode I'll bring on a guest to talk about a musical, musical theater writer, or a topic or trend in musical theater. Just a heads up that I'm taking the next few weeks off for a reading of one of my musicals, So the next Scene to Song episode will come out on December 11th. My guest today is Tammy Tucky. Tammy is an Emmy award-winning filmmaker, actress, podcaster, and singer. Since 2011, Tammy has hosted, edited, and produced the Tammy Tucky Show podcast. Aside from hosting her podcast, Tammy has starred in over 20 theatrical productions, most recently seen in Agatha Christie's The Mousetrap. She released her second cover album of Walt Disney World tunes called Glowing in Timeless Places in April of this year. We're going to talk today about the David Bryan and Joe DiPietro musical, Diana. Hey Tammy, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. So excited that you're back. Oh, me too. Hello, long time no see. Let's start with some of our get to know our guest questions. So okay. who is your favorite musical theater writer and why? Uh, well, I, I think I, in, in t- context of writer, I think for music wise, I, I'm going to go with Andrew Lloyd Webber because his music is always running in my head. I'm always singing it. It's it's so memorable. Um, well, most of them. Um, <laughs> I, I think Phantom of the Opera made such an impact on me as a kid. I remember having a laser disc <laughs> of Andrew Lloyd Webber hits that were made into music videos. So I remember the, that weird 80s Phantom of the Opera music video and then that beautiful music video of Sarah Brightman singing Wishing You Were Somehow Here Again. So for me, my favorite, it, it, it kind of pays back in, in, to my childhood. So I'd say Andrew Lloyd Webber for sure. Nice. Yeah, I remember that weird 80s fan of the opera video (laughs) it's so iconic like i i I love it it's so weird and i wish they would have gone for that type of aspect Mm -hmm. they were thinking about making the movie and then it never happened right so uh is there a show you've gained a greater appreciation for over time yes um i was actually just talking about this with somebody um i think into the woods I, i i when i did it in high school it was there was so much going on behind the scenes that I wasn't really focused on the story and the music. And I think now when I listen to the soundtrack, there are so many great pieces of of dialogue, and also the lyrics are are very are, are very smart, just and very intelligent. And of course, the music is something that you can't get out of your head either. But I think I I I think over time. You, you gain more appreciation for that and, 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 and acknowledging some of the story plots that maybe you don't really understand as a high schooler or a kid, but more so as an adult. So I, I think I, I think that's one of the ones that really kind of now I, I like to listen to more often now. Nice. Yeah, definitely a show that you a show to grow with, I, I guess, is a good a good way to put it what musical has made you laugh the hardest and which musical has made you cry the most oh <laughs> i think i i saw a production of the producers at walnut street theater and i i didn't know what to expect i i think i was like 13 and i went with my dad and and i never seen the movie 
and I, I didn't know anything about it, but I just remember really enjoying that experience. That one and Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, both at Walnut Street. Mm, just yeah. really enjoyable, fun. Um, although I didn't understand all the jokes, you know, that the slapstick is what drives me because I grew up watching the Three Stooges. So that's the one that made me laugh the hardest. One recently that made me cry the hardest, I just saw Big Fish. And mm. I I never seen the musical. I've seen the movie. The movie makes me like very emotional at the end, but I, I it was really hard not to to cry at the end of that. It it, it gets to you. It really mm. does. So I'd say Big Fish is the most recent one <laughs> I can remember. Oh, nice. I actually I, yeah I never saw I saw the movie when it came out, but I never saw the the musical version. So the musical is endearing. Uh, yeah. it, it takes it takes aspects of the movie, but then it makes its own stamp Mm -hmm. which i think is very important if you're adapting something right for sure is there a classic show you saw recently for the first time and what was your experience with it i guess if it was i I don't know if you were defining classic as like way back in the 50s and 60s but i recently saw spring awakening which i guess is a classic for the early 2000s and um i've heard the music before i like two songs i finally got to see it and I did not enjoy it at mm. all. I, I, it's definitely not one I would ever see again. I can appreciate it for what it did in the, in the past because I actually saw the documentary about it. Yeah. Before I even saw the show. So, oh, interesting. Um, and uh, I appreciate it for what it was at its time, but it is it just does not work for me personally, mm-hmm. and I don't think I would. But I love that song of Purple Summer. It's such a weird tune, just very yeah. weird, but <laughs> beautiful. But beautiful. I did watch the documentary last year, uh, and still kind of like revisited that show because I did see it when it first came out. Uh, I guess fifteen or so years ago now, and uh, yeah, just to revisit it, it, it really kind of was like of a time, uh, of of that time in a way. So it's interesting. It's it's a good one for I think people now to see for the first time, and then like, what is that experience? Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think that it, I, I've been trying to broaden my horizons and seeing shows that I don't think are going to appeal to me. So mm-hmm. I'm glad I took the uh, the jump with this and I got to see it with a friend and and um, it, it was it was a good experience because you, you, you have to like you have to push the envelope sometimes with things that you are comfortable seeing and things you're not comfortable with seeing. <laughs> I'm not somebody who won't just not see something because they've never seen it before. Um, but I will not see something if I don't want to see it again. Right, right. <laughs> What's the most interesting thing you've learned from a musical? I really, so when I first saw the movie Funny Girl, um, I I didn't, I was, I was kind of entranced. It was just one of those things. It's that, that moment when you finally see it and uh, you, you realize why Barbara Streisand became a star. But I did research about Fanny Bryce and I think, the the background on her and her life is very fascinating because mm-hmm. I didn't realize that, you know, Nikki Ar- Arnstein was her second husband. Right. And there was a lot of more troublesome details happening behind the scenes. And, and her family was behind the making of that musical. And there was a reason things were, were sugar-coated. Mm-hmm. And, and kind of leads into what our discussion is today when, I guess this just popped in my head when you have a musical that's based on somebody in real life that is involved with the family, it's, it's going to kind of sugarcoat things. And, and what we're going to be talking about today was not 
any way approved by whoever was related to the person, right? Um, so it's interesting to see the, the different aspects of that. Not to say that the, mo- the movie is is far, far better than the musical. You know, the contextual, just the, the actual story-wise um, and how they build it off of that. I wish... The musical could adapt that, but again, the musical is its own little thing too. So it's it's hard to it's hard to make that judgment call. But I think learning more about Fanny, I think she's such a fascinating person as well too. And it's so sad because I think she's kind of in the shadow of Barbara, mm-hmm. because Barbara is this other Fanny. So not a lot of people know about her. And I really encourage you if you could find a biography, a book about her, read about her life. Very fascinating woman, and a trailblazer, a true trailblazer of her time. Yeah. Yeah. So that that is a good segue, as you say, to uh, getting to our topic, which is Diana, the musical. And I, I am kind of laughing at, at uh, the, you know, the royal family, just the idea of them possibly signing off on them. <laughs> <laughs> on this musical there is no way <laughs> they don't comment they never comment about anything except harry and megan because they're they're their own little thing <laughs> right right so yeah so i guess um we can start with our experiences with this musical uh i just watched it on the netflix version for the first time to prepare for this episode so uh but also my experiences with diana herself i think play into it too because I was never I was never that and still continue to not be that into the royal family I'm not like someone who follows them or cares that much about them or what they do and what happens I didn't watch any of the weddings you know but uh so this I I remember when Diana died and I remember that being on the news uh and my mom watching that and kind of the aftermath of that but other than, and, and you know, I can't help but hear about the recent, you know, stuff going on with <laughs> with Harry and Meghan and, you know, all that. But otherwise, I feel like this show was really my main introduction to her life, like really like her history and like what she did and um, like how she was, you know, treated and what went on with the uh, divorce and all that. So like, I really did not know, know too much. So this was like, this show was like, you know, my, what I, it gave me what I knew about it. So I think that's interesting too, uh, that this is my really only experience that to contrast maybe with somebody who knows so much about Diana and her and real life, what that would be probably be a different experience of, of the show. With you saying, so I was alive when Diana died. So I was only mm-hmm. a year old. But my experience is my mother was a was a, a passionate follower of it mm. from the beginning, right? Yeah, yeah. So she watched the wedding. She got up early in the morning at 4 a.m. and she watched that thing. So my mom has this perception of the entire thing. And she is team Diana. And <laughs> we're talking about teams and everything. So I have heard only from her and about this entire thing. And then I, I, I got into it. I'm a very big fan. And um, I have, I have researched so much and I'm so glad that this is an introduction to Diana's story because in reality, this is extremely accurate Mm. to what stories that she has told and from other um, information that has been out there, which, which I was actually really pleased with because sometimes people take creative license that really wasn't here. 
So, um, uh, and, and, uh, and it's interesting, uh, my, my sister and I were supposed to, this is right around the time of COVID and right. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about this later, but they were in previews and we were actually going to come to see, uh, go to New York to spend a weekend there right before the COVID shutdown. And my goal was to go and see the show at the previews. I really wanted to see it. And, um, I never got a chance to see it, obviously. And when it came back and only played for like 56 performances or something like that and closed. Um, so my experiences with it are only through Netflix really. Yeah. And, and, and I really, and that was something. So my mom and I, and we make it a, a point we, we, we will sit and we will watch a documentary or The Crown or whatever there is, Diane, and we will sit and we will watch it together. So we made a day where we were going to watch this. And um, I, I think we were, we, we, we didn't know what to think at first, mm -hmm. but I started watching it again and again. I'm like, I really like this. Like, I, I really enjoyed what I was seeing. And I think we'll talk more about that. But that, yeah. that's my main experience with, with, you know, before the show, I, I have a lot of Diana knowledge <laughs> and right, then right. watching the show there, there's my other, you know, two cents in there. I, I, I read that, uh, the energy in the theater was, was very, it was a very different experience from watching it on Netflix. Um, my Which high school friend Ben, see. he had said the same thing. He it's a, it's one of his favorite shows. So when he tweets, if he tweets anything about Diana, I get it pinged up on my phone right away. <laughs> but but he said the same thing, and and a lot of people I've read have said that the ending hits in a different way too because mm. Netflix changed the ending just a little bit, oh, which we can talk about. Yeah. 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 Um. And, and and there were previews and there were out of town tryouts, and so a couple people I knew had gone to those, and and many things have changed. And I I wish to goodness that somebody would post a bootleg of, mm. of those out-of-town tryouts because I'm very interested to see what the difference is. And there's one scene that was deleted somebody just posted recently that I'd love to talk about oh, too yeah. because I actually think it should have been kept in. It was necessary and it wasn't. So, um, but I, I, again, another reason I, I really, I think live theater, again, it's just, it's one of those things you have to be there to, to, to feel it. And, and right. maybe it doesn't come across on Netflix as that because people watching Netflix are, are not in, I don't think mainly they're into musicals. So right. when it got the flack, it did. And it was, it was thrown into the garbage and like thrown around. Like people were really nasty about it. Mm -hmm. And I, and I didn't understand why, but I think it's just that audience is not for, you know, this type of thing, I guess right. maybe that I could be wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm so glad it's on Netflix, so I get the the opportunity to see it. But yeah, I I can definitely see how like you're watching it and you're like, oh, this certain songs that are like meant. I feel like meant to get the crowd going. It's you just can't get that same experience. But yeah, what I'm I'm so curious about that that transformation and like what was cut. I did read that. At, I don't know when this was, but at some point there was like a little switch in focus, I, I guess, in like how it was written from kind of like more focusing more on Diana and Camilla, that that love triangle uh, yes. storyline, yeah. as opposed to kind of like Diana's um, childhood, childhood journey. Yeah, like journey from uh little girl because she does yeah. have a lot of history as a young kid and i think that they had attempted to actually have kids in the show and it mm. didn't work and i understand why they removed that aspect i don't think it's 
I don't think it's necessary because yeah. she does callbacks to it. Like she refers right. to it. Right. And I think that's what you need. We need to see her at the beginning of when we all saw her. When mm. we publicly saw her was when she was announced as this engagement. And I think that that makes for a much more interested, focused piece, especially when you're bringing Camilla into it because there is so much hate to her, which is understandable, but I don't think it's fair. And actually this musical really made me think about that because mm. the musical, it doesn't have her as the villain. There's no right. villain in this piece, which I, I re like it really opened my mind in thinking about it because there's this love story that's happening with Charles and Camilla that they cannot pursue for obvious reasons with the royal family. And then you have this other love story that we were presented by the press, by the royal family as the iconic, perfect love. And and I don't think it's fair to tarnish one other person. Now, mm -hmm. obviously they have their camp moments, you know, with right. the fighting and things like that. But um, I, don't, I don't think this piece really destroyed Camilla's image. Actually, I think it, 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 it really showed her as a person and mm -hmm. i i appreciated that i even i couldn't believe originally they didn't have her husband as a part of the oh, story interesting and i love how watching it again today i love how they they did have him as a part of it and did have him and her trying to make it work mm -hmm. because that is what what happened what, what they say had happened so right. yeah i i really uh, i agree i really felt that felt that too as i was watching it it's true like there's not really villain. i guess the villain could be the paparazzi the press or like the the the, the idea establishment the yeah like the the royal the the confines of the royal family itself like mm -hmm. that that's like providing the conflict but um yeah, but yeah there's not like a villain it, and yeah. it's interesting because camilla has never commented publicly ever now this is a big thing because i i remind my mom because she she sometimes gets a little angry she's like oh i'm like but but here's the thing she never spoke out once during mm -hmm. this entire thing while charles and diana were saying their things so them taking the creative license and, and how she was reflecting on things is a creative license and and honestly i think maybe that's my must be what has been happening but she recently commented on how the press had treated her maybe like a year ago. And I read that and I really felt bad for her because mm -hmm. she has never once said anything, not to my recollection or knowledge of, of reading anything or seeing anything on TV, which I think is even what, a, what a strong stance, you know what I mm -hmm. mean? Because some people can just go off as the show says, which was the true thing is Diana's sister was in the running and she talked to the press and that is a true thing. And that was the end of that. So it, 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 it's interesting to see how they, they incorporate that and, and reflect how Camilla is reflecting on things as well, too. It is a very complicated thing. And also, like, from the outside, there's so much there is so much we don't know about what goes on behind the scenes. It's a, I mean, it is a, you know, a good subject to dramatize. I You know, if, if there's much we don't know, then you can kind of make delve into that, like, you know, dramatize like the those. crown is the crown. Yeah. The crown really hurt Charles and Camilla mm -hmm. when that season came out. I remember they were just, again, thrown around in the press and uh, a new generation was introduced to it. And it's interesting because you have two different, you have the crown and you have Diana on Netflix and, and both of them have different aspects in telling the stories. But I think the, 
that I think Diana really does a great job of showing the human reaction and the why and 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 the crown takes its creative license because they base it they say it's not based on true story which okay but uh, they definitely take creative license with that Mm. show there's no doubt about that but this in particular I think is why maybe I prefer how Diana treats its individuals because Mm. a lot of people could find this disrespectful and I and I absolutely understand that Um, but when you have public figures it's like and we were fit, we felt so involved. I'm saying me, but I think everybody felt so involved with how right. things were being thrown into the into the press, and it was coming from the establishment. So, interesting. Yeah. Well, let's let's dig into how like the character of Diana in this show and uh, how she's being how she's being portrayed. What what makes this a great portrayal? Yeah, I, well, so we start out with Diana at 19, and the show progresses um, at the end of Act 1. Basically, she has kind of evolved into a woman who is able to wear, you know, the, the outfits that she wants to wear because she was kind of, you know, told by the establishment, this is how to do it. Mm-hmm. And then she's about to pave her own way. So we got the Act 1, which is Diana the girl, and yeah. then Act 2, which is Diana the woman. Mm-hmm. And um, I think... And it's so interesting. They're going to do a West End run of this. And they've divided the parts into two. Diana, Act 1. Diana, Act 2. Which I don't know if I, I would feel... I don't know if I like that. I don't... Wait, what do you mean divide the parts? Divide the parts. So Act oh. 1 will be a younger girl. Oh. Act 2 will be an older woman um, playing Diana. It, huh. isn't, that, isn't that weird? I, I don't know what I think yeah. about that. Yeah, that... Yeah, I'm I'm wondering, yeah, what that accomplishes. So you have this you have this uh story, but again, Charles and Camilla are involved in in regards to when Diana met Charles and and uh how Camilla kind of helped facilitate that because there are early images of this of real Diana and real Camilla, you know, at polo games for Charles. They they were in touch with one another and 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 from what Diana's sisters have said, Diana did know about Camilla. Mm-hmm. Um so it, it, it's just interesting to see that dynamic grow over time. You, you that the first half of it is is so much fun, and unfortunately, when you get into the divorce part, it's not fun, right? So that's the tone problem, right? Yeah, I was thinking as I watched it that I much preferred the first act because the first act I feel like you get set up with you know here's Diana, she's her first song is you know don't un- like don't underestimate or it's it's not don't underestimate but underestimate me so that I can like do more basically (laughs) basically um so she's got this you know opening song where we meet her as someone who I guess like looking she's kind of like looking back at things and saying like you know this this is uh what I was able to do your prison has been yeah then we meet her as like a 19 year old and uh yeah it's like there's more of like a I guess there's more of like a coming of age type 
uh, arc there where she's young and she's naive, starting out a little naive, the fairy tale of this um, and, you know, having her children and all that. Um, whereas in the second act, um, once things that, you know, it's basically the falling apart of <laughs> The, un the unhappy part of it. I think that's why last season's episode of The Crown was not fun anymore. Mm -hmm. Because it was the, it's the ending. We're getting to the end and, and we all know where it leads, right? So, yes. And, yeah. But, but it, it, it's interesting how um, uh, they kind of, they, they still have it encompass the intimate, like, the, the complications of that, that, yeah. that problem there. Um you know, and and it's so and it's so difficult because I think for Diana in particular, she was led to believe so many different things. And when you're a young kid and you don't have the support, like it's just it it, it it's so disappointing to see how it, her life did turn out to be. Mm -hmm. But what she did, cons all things considered, at 19, got married at like 20, had a kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know what I mean, and and she had and she had a postpartum depression as well too, which I'm right. I'm I you know you when do you get to really have that conversation on a broad in a Broadway musical or in a, usually any type of musical? Yeah. Um, and they also, which is really a good point, they make they they hint at certain things of why it's not going to work, mm -hmm. and how she is so young and he is thirty two, she's nineteen, he's thirty two, so it's it's like this. It's like this, this, we're hinting at it, it's coming. So it's not like it just hits you in the face, like, oh gosh, they're angry at each other now. That they're, they're right. just so different in, in, in mature, maturity. So, right. which well, I appreciated. And I mean, even I, who didn't really follow this story at all, grow like as a young person and into adulthood, even I knew they're like, people know they're going to get divorced. Like, I think like, it it also needs to acknowledge that like people know how this ends um like one of those types of stories so um it's planting those seeds in there as well so people people know it's coming but but then they can also see that it's coming and feel like oh yes i know <laughs> there's the there it is there it is <laughs> yeah and 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 it you know I, I think the only thing that i found so she had said in an interview that once Harry was born, the marriage was basically over mm. and they kind of, they kind of have like a weird time frame. So maybe that's the only thing that might not be a completely accurate. Mm. Um, but um, I, I think with her in second act, especially when we have James Hewitt, who was one of many men in her life. Right. Um, he, he's like the, the stance of what her escape might be. Um, and, 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 the, and, and, and it's, again, he says something along the lines of, um, or something about, I think she says something about going to United States, which is actually yeah. something she was planning to do. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you ever heard of this story, but, um, gosh, Kevin Costner wanted to do a sequel to the bodyguard and he had a phone conversation with Diana about starring in it. Oh, wow. So there was, there was something she was. She was getting, it sounded like she was getting ready to move to the United States. She was going to have more privacy. She was good right. friends with Kurt Russell, Goldie Hawn, and they let her stay on their property so she would be free from the press. Apparently, our press over here was not as horrible as the press over, over, um, over, um, 
over in the UK. Yeah. So, um, so that was interesting too. To there's a little there's a little recommend like no no notes about that in the script, which means that everybody who was involved in this did their homework. Mm-hmm. Especially, I know we were going to talk about costumes too because. Oh yeah. That's like the center stage thing. You can't do this show without that because we all know Diana for her looks too. <laughs> right. And I also wanted to bring it up because as I was watching, well, I think my main one of my main critiques of this of this show would be the lyrics. Not that they're not that they're yes. horrible, but like just in certain ways I felt like they could have the songs could have done more, basically. And I read in the New York Times review, Jesse Green made a, uh, had a comment about uh, the costumes and how the costumes, you could basically tell the whole story with the costumes. And that's kind of how I felt as I was watching. Not that it was just, you should just tell the whole story with the costumes, but that the, the songs were kind of redundant in this, when they were talking about the costumes, because you could, she comes on in that dress and, each dress and it's just like you can you just see you see the transfer her transformation like you don't need a song where she's talking about what the dress is going to do what what this means what this is all about um especially the revenge dress <laughs> oh Yeah, that that one, I think that was added because there is such an affinity mm-hmm. in the fan base for that. And I, and I, I get under, that. I, I get, get that. that. But yeah. I, I agree with you. I think the lyrics sometimes do not work. Like it it, it sounds, some of them sound so, let's be nice, um, <laughs> immature. <laughs> like they don't sound very, very, ah, I don't know how to say it. They just don't sound immature. But yeah. some of them are, are really, are, are really well thought out right so that's right. that's my that's my that's yeah. my dilemma that's probably i think where the weakest yeah point is i think i think yeah it's it's the, on the one hand like just not using all the the real estate like you could pull back on like a lot of things that are just describing what we see to like getting deeper into some of the characters um and i think also they just it, for my taste, it it just rhymed too much. Like I would, I would have loved for the lyrics to pull back a little on the rhyme, because it it felt like if that had happened, I also would have felt like I would have gotten deeper into the characters a little bit more. And actually, like the over the the prevalence of rhyme, like kind of took me out of the story a little bit because I just it, it just felt like it was rhyme, 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 rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> And it feels a little bit overwhelming. There, there is yeah. so much saturated in this thing, but but mm-hmm. again, that's the dilemma. I can't even imagine. That's why the out, the tryouts outside yeah. of New York and Broadway were so difficult because you have so much material. Mm-hmm. How can you cut it anyway? Like they don't even discuss the BBC Martin Bashir interview, which right. I think is a good thing. But but there's so much that that didn't need to be in it, and I think I think they could have added more to give more for Camilla and Charles and Diana, because there really is no true scene with them. And this is leading to the deleted scene. There was a deleted number Mm. where um, Camilla 
and Diana, uh, Camilla introduces Diana to Charles on the polo field, which mm. refers to that picture of Camilla and Diana. Um, uh, but, you know, later on, Diana would come to all the polo uh, moments. But it, it was a great introduction and and having the three of them be on stage which is hardly ever in the show except for like the beginning and end but you, you need that moment because it's true you know and 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 you need to build on that because that those three people are what are making this musical work and i think right. that that was a that was a that was not a good idea for them just to delete that entirely yeah. it was needed is there because i've only seen it once is there a, any moment where they're all three singing together or have a song like a trio in in the same i no, i don't think so there's the he him and her and him and her but that's with james hewitt yeah. um right before the um this is how your people dance they have a dialogue mm-hmm. um and then finally she comes to the the party and the main event which is the fight between camilla and diana which really doesn't have him really sing much in it mm-hmm. so then again yeah you're losing that you you that doesn't work yeah to me. i mean it's not necessarily a rule but i love to try like i i love a good trio and in, in a love triangle plot i love a good trio if it works you know i like this song i'm trying to remember what the name of it was it was something about oh i think it's called perfect princess mm-hmm. is what it's called it's on youtube so i'm sure after we record this you'll take a look at it and i'm yeah, sure yeah. your listeners should as well too um but it, it's a really great piece um, and it, and it, and it, it's the beginning. And I, I think that that would, that's definitely what they were missing if anything. Mm. Um, but you're right. I think the lyrics could have, <laughs> but I really like the music. I think the music and especially that, that chorus in this show, that ensemble mm-hmm. really make that show. Like I, I, when I was watching it today, I was actually trying to just watch the ensemble because yeah. they're in multiple different roles, but like the beginning. So there's an, I'll give you an example. So, um, Diana Camilla meet and they're talking with one another and then you see somebody come in with some wine glasses just to give it a little something as if it's yeah. just setting up the environment and the person's there like that is what this show does well like it keeps it moving it keeps you getting the costumes that you're expecting it keeps the set looks great the talent and the choreography works like it's not awkward it's fun Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's a, that's a strong suit for this show, which I don't think people gave much credit mm. for. So, yeah, there is a lot of ensemble and they're doing so much. I mean, the, the press is like the, is a major ensemble that's working a lot in this show. I mean, there's such yes. a, I mean, that's basically, as we said, like the villain, one of the, the villain. Yeah. Or yeah. the villain. Um, and the, the kind of one of the drives of of what's happening really true i don't think a lot of people looked at it until when kate was getting married that was the question of what are we doing to protect kate before she gets married to prince will to prince william Mm -hmm. and uh, they actually took that into account this time which i think it went smoothly but 
with the whole Harry and Meghan Markle debacle, whichever side you lie on, I'm kind of down the middle on that. I really don't think it was fair to Meghan because she did get a lot of heat. And that, again, that's its own other story. But I'm glad that they brought it up because I do believe that that was they were really horrible to her. Like the things that some of her staff would say that she would come back crying and things that they would say to her was just really disturbing to me. And I thought the Hollywood press were horrible. Mm -hmm. It sounds like it was like a next level. The fact that she wanted, she didn't even mind coming to Hollywood and wouldn't mind dealing with our press because we were actually nicer to her. That's saying something. So I'm glad that they did not shy away from that because it's true. Yeah. So you had mentioned that you were about to see this uh, in March 2020, and then... Yep, for the previews. <laughs> we were hoping. <laughs> uh, which I guess happened to a few shows uh, at yeah. that time that were about to open and then reopened in fall of 2021. Uh, but in that time, there was the Netflix... <laughs> Release, release which was a surprise i think a lot of us were like they're gonna they're gonna pro shot this okay you know what i mean i think they they thought they saw the success with hamilton and mm-hmm. what a great idea thank goodness they did because now we have documentation of this that right. will never go away hopefully not <laughs> because it's streaming um but yeah they, they they didn't have a chance i feel bad for the cast i feel bad for the creative team because the show even when covid was over and mm-hmm. air quotes um and they came back they just didn't have a chance nobody was coming to shows there you know it, it was a it was a mess it was a disaster so the show really didn't even have a chance so them trying this avenue i think really was great i think i wish they would do more of these pro shots i i think we're, again we're losing these wonderful performances and the only thing that survives is we had talked about the goodbye girl we somebody had posted footage right. uh from the, a night the, one of the performances in 1993 right. back when cameras were like huge right so <laughs> yeah. there's only like uh, something of that type of documentation of, of of most of the show and 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 you're wondering well now it's really lost to time so mm-hmm. um i i think it was a great idea for them to do it i wish they would do it more often before a show cl- closes because i think a right. lot of people are like oh well if they see it on netflix they're not going to come see it no i i, I was like Bring it back. I'm coming to see it now. I want to see it in person, you know, but I was one of few. So (laughs) I don't think that, but I think a lot of people were very mean about the whole aspect. And I think, what was his name? Waiting in the wings on, on YouTube. Have you seen his channel? I don't think so. No, he has, he has a lot of great um, videos just about, you know, certain stories and scenarios of things that happen on Broadway. And Mm -hmm. he got to interview um, the butler, Paul, Mm -hmm. um, the actor who played him. And so uh, you had discussed that tone was a little bit different. And obviously we just discussed why. Um, So one thing he said, which I didn't realize what it was. He said, a lot of people that the one scene that was shared was, this is how your people dance. And people Mm -hmm. are like, what in the world is happening in no context right so right. he explained through this interview that basically there's a picture of diana at a at a show and she fell asleep because she was pregnant with um with uh, uh what's his name the first one william, william. Yeah, <laughs> she, was, yeah. she was pregnant with william at the time and, and and what they were thinking was oh this scene will be as if she's having a dream sequence mm. which wasn't i guess clarified well enough 
but it then then I was like, oh, okay, I get you. I get where you're coming from. It's a dream sequence, but nobody understood that. So right. maybe that's another reason why it's like it wasn't really some audiences we really need it written out for us. But yeah, I think uh, <laughs> that made me appreciate the scene a little bit more because I was like, okay, now I get what you're trying to do. Yeah, I don't think I. I mean, it's hard with theater musicals. It all you know specifically to really show like what's a dream sequence because people getting up and dancing is just part of the part of the style of the the piece so yeah. it's not it doesn't necessarily mean it's a dream sequence that it has getting to be up. big i i one of my wishes that the show went a little further with was just like those those real moments of like she's like the pregnancy and like what how that was affecting her I feel like we get like hints of it but like I it kind of like goes by so fast or like the postpartum depression and like I think there was some issue yeah stuff that came up in the second act where it was like it was mentioned but like we don't really see a struggle with it too much you know Mm. um because Diana uh, was very, yeah. very open about, especially the postpartum dis- depression. Because she wrote um, during her big book, the 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 book that everybody knows about. Mm-hmm. Um, she had mentioned that she threw herself downstairs in front of the queen when she was mm-hmm. pregnant with William, and 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 the queen didn't know what to do about it. Like I yeah. think that there's this whole other dynamic. Is I don't think, and and Diana admitted that too. I think she also said the same thing was she doesn't believe that that the, the Royal family had to deal with mental health in this aspect. So they just didn't know what to do. Right. You know what I mean? It's usually keep right. ca- calm, carry on, but there's this whole different dynamic of having somebody who has mental health issues. And, and I'm glad they brought it up, but yeah, you're right. I think it, it, it could have, it could have been discussed more because she went through a lot and you, you know, the only thing it doesn't mention now that you mentioned that um, she had, um, uh, she had a, a, a eating disorders. Hmm. I think it does mention that again, like super briefly, it's like bulimia and like it. Yeah, it it doesn't. (laughs) And the crown visually shows it. And they had like warnings at the beginning of the episode for like three of them. And, and, and for those who have never had that or have never witnessed it or seen it, it it is very uncomfortable. So I can understand why they wouldn't want to bring that to the stage because then Mm -hmm. people might be like, well, you're glorifying mental health, not having any mental health and but it's like, then, but then, then you're you're sweeping it under the rug, right? Mm-hmm. You're you're not bringing it to the forefront. So you're absolutely right with that. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, just like little things. There were certain moments where I was like, "Oh, now this is interesting," and then it like kind of pulled back and went somewhere else. Like the uh, like I really was enjoying like the scene where uh, she goes to visit the AIDS patients, and I read yes. that. I read after the fact that that was like a big a big deal, you know, in her life. So I'm really glad they, they put that in, but then it kind of, I, I felt like then it kind of like devolved into like, Oh, well, this is just all about like the photo op. Like we're all just going to take a photo and like the end. And like, um, like I felt like, again, like it went there and then, but then it like pulled back a bit and like, didn't go further. They said you would come, it seems so absurd We all had our doubts Well, I'm a girl of my word Here, take my hand
Here, take my hand. We'll have a nice time. An honor to meet you. The honor is mine. All pretense for every line blurred. She sees all our pain, and we see all hers. I brought along a photographer. I thought some pictures for the papers might... Oh, no. No, I couldn't possibly. But it'll bring attention to your cause. My parents don't know. There's really no way. They'll find out I'm sick. They'll find out I'm gay. I could lose my new job. Be tossed from my flat. Of course, let's forget it. Or how about we chat? I do like your suit. <laughs> well, how very kind. Perhaps not the color. I'm sick, but not blind. <laughs> Are you getting good care? The best anywhere, although my eyeliners run low. I, I actually really enjoyed that scene, although I saw some people um, were kind of criticizing it, but mm -hmm. I didn't think it... I, I could be wrong. I didn't think it was done in a distasteful manner. I think yeah. that I, we haven't really, I don't think we really talked about AIDS in a Broadway musical since Rent. Correct me if I'm wrong. Right? Like, I'd have it, to like think of, think of through things a little more, but I mean, definitely a it's- A very uncomfortable subject. But definitely it's become less, I mean, I guess unless you're doing like a historical piece like this is maybe there's been something, but- That was such a major part of- the 80s and 90s and and we don't go on to discuss her 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 work with the the landmines right mm -hmm. she also saved all these children and these people by by bringing that as a forefront because then she became a she wanted to become a humanitarian yeah so it's it's hard because again they're, they're we're miss we're still missing so much it's of missing her life so much yeah right and, and how can you cram yeah. it all it's so hard i know that's why i i feel like i have not issues but like it's so it, it's yeah it's just hard with pieces musicals that try to cover a huge amount of time and a huge story of like either somebody's life or a you know it, it's the same issue i had with um oh my gosh what is the name of that show i saw last year about the suffrage movement sups um oh, oh. yeah it was you know it, it just it covered the entire like suffrage women you know suffrage movement around the 19th amendment you know all of that stuff and what i was really craving was like to just delve in like just to like go deeper we don't need like i didn't need the whole story like mm -hmm. i just i wanted to go deeper because i feel like musicals something they like yes like what they can one thing they can do really well is like cover a lot of ground in a musical sequence like montages def yeah definitely like something they can do but what they can also do really well is go super deep into character and moments and i feel like if you're not making use of that as well it's like you're just getting like a big sweeping like and that but then you're like well what it what was the what did I just see? Yeah. <laughs> what, what was the point of the piece? Yeah. What is it trying to say? What is it, you know, and I, there were moments in Diana where I felt like I, like her opening number underestimated. So that song and like, there were like, there were other moments for sure, but I definitely, there were times where I was just like, go deeper here, go deeper. <laughs> I agree. You want more, you want more. Yeah. And then there's that dilemma. It's like, well, do you give more because um, people want more or you just want to see more of it or do you want people just wanting more we wanted more and we kind of deserved more mm -hmm. from that mm -hmm. and and maybe 
because uh, the ending the ending kind of wraps things up and it mentions things that she was looking to do what yeah. she wanted to do it has a very good impact and i don't know maybe like maybe they could have done a montage that covers a little bit more of other things that she did that it, it, that doesn't need singing like mm-hmm. you know there's a great there are great dancers in this mm-hmm. and and i don't think everything needs to be t- told verbally you know right, as you said right. the dresses can tell the story the dance can tell the story right. and i think that they were I mean, it must have it must have been a pain oh i can't even i i, I don't even like <laughs> making a show is one thing making an yeah. original piece about right. a person like when was the last time they did like a really true original piece, like maybe on your feet that was on mm-hmm. Broadway or, or Carol King. Yeah. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, Evita is the, probably the most famous one out of all of them. And right. that one kind of shows a little bit of both sides of her. And mm-hmm. I think Diana does too, because Diana, uh, it shows that she, you know, sometimes you can be your own downfall, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So I, I, I get that too. It yeah, there's so much more that, and and I'm I'm glad this was an introduction. Like I think that this this does set up, and then you leaves you having questions, leaving wanting to know more, and and then that's where you know the research comes in if you want to. There's so many biographies and and books, and her book by Andrew mm-hmm. Morton, who is in the show, which right. I so want to ask him about it. Like I want to go, <laughs> Andrew Morton, you're you're in a Broadway musical. <laughs> Like I, I really want to ask him and and her butler Paul what they yeah. really think about this. But it, it it you know I've seen so many interviews with both of them that like it's pretty accurate to what they have said and mm. what things have happened. So yeah, I'm just curious about it. <laughs> so you said that there's a different ending in the so slight. So apparently okay. this is what I was told. So uh, spoilers if you have not seen Diana on Netflix, please please watch it. Then come back. Let us know. And then you can play the rest. But um, the ending on Netflix is basically um, uh, Diana walks and then it's just kind of silent. And then this over flourish of music. And then then uh, Prince Charles sings uh, the ones you think are going to change the world are not the ones you think are going to change the world. And that kind of ends it. Mm, I, I get right. why they did that, because it, it just doesn't work. Now, when I was told by my friends who had seen the show she would walk out in darkness and that was it. Oh, that was I, it. And then right into bowels. I and actually they prefer said was, that. I mean, I think I would prefer that. Cause when they added that, that, that extra stuff, the change the world thing, I, I was like a little confused. Cause I was like, what are they saying here? Why are they saying this? There is breaking news coming out of Paris. Flashbulbs fill the air. We are hearing of an automobile accident involving Princess Diana. We have no word on the extent of her injuries. Frenzy fills the night. A mob of paparazzi followed her car into a tunnel. We are getting reports Princess Diana may be seriously hurt. We are being told now to prepare for the worst. There is shock and horror as the West wakes up to the news. We can now confirm that Princess Diana has died.
the people who will change the world are not the ones you think will change the world. I get why they yeah. added it. I think like everybody thought, really, they thought that. I, I guess it's that '90s. The '90s was coming to a close. The line, mm-hmm. '90s really died. I think a lot of people market it with 9/11, and mm-hmm. and I think that this was the lead up to that. And yeah. and again, he the line is is true because it comes back to um uh the, the when um the pretty pretty girl song mm-hmm. where the girls sing, you know um that Diana's going to change the world. And I understand why they did the tie in at the end. I think it works for the Netflix, but you're right. The walking away and the stop of it on the stage. I think it's a bigger impact because yes, we lost a lot with this person who knows what the future could have been for the United UK and also for this humanitarian causes that she was behind. Right. And, and you, and you really grow attached to these people. So that sudden, Oh, story ends. And and that's how everybody felt at that time, from what I understand, mm. like from my mom and, and from people. And like, this was such a big deal. I feel like some people forget about it. There's a popular video on YouTube of these guys uh, at a game night. And uh, this guy pulled out his camera and they're watching the news because it says Diana's injured. And then um, it says that she died. And their reactions are just, you know, mm. it's very sudden. And, and even Tom Cruise called into a news station. And he was shocked. You know what I mean? Like people were, this was a big deal because she was an historical figure icon of our generation. So the fact that they take it away so suddenly like that after this buildup of, oh, I might get married. I might have children. My boys are going to rule. And then it suddenly is taken away. It, it, it hits. And I, again, another reason I, 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 God, I wish I'd seen it in person. I'm just way too excited right now. But yes, that, that, <laughs> that's the ending that's supposed to be yeah, happening. <laughs> and I also was disappointed. Like, I wanted, like, even though she dies and, like, it's tragic and, like, stuff was taken away from her, I still, I, I didn't like how they got the last word on it. I, like, yes. I just wanted, like, if she wasn't going to get a last word to just have it be, like, her death and the end, you know, I was wondering. Yeah. I mean, throughout the whole show, I don't I think was... he should have had the yeah. line. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. anything, if anything, it should have been her sister. Mm, I yeah, really yeah, loved yeah. her that whoever the actress playing the sister, I really loved her. I actually wish there was more of her. I mm. love that three part harmony that Camilla, the queen and her have, um, when they say, um, uh, uh oh god what's the line i'm I'm blanking on it but they had this three-part <laughs> harmony that they only yeah. do twice and it's so beautiful but i think her sister should have gotten that mm, yeah that last if that would have been nice yeah that would have been nice yeah i i just was like the whole show you know because you know as i said my experience with diana as a real person was basically like my memory of her death <laughs> was yes. you know of that being on the news and the whole show, I'm like wondering how are, how are they going to do this? How are they going to handle this aspect of the show? Because um, it like the more you think about it as the show goes on, like the more tragic it is because you're like just either being reminded of of or realizing like just what you know this person was. This you know she's like a real person who went through this, who was whose life was cut off tragically so young. 
the same way it opens is the same way how it had ended. She was the photographer mm-hmm. taking pictures of her in the back seat of the car, right? While she was dying, and Ugh. and that's how she, and and but the beginning of the show is the pictures, the cameras, the flash bulbs, right. the, the lights, and so it's like this. It's like this. Oh well, you, you, you're kind of taken aback by it if you know mm-hmm. those details. You know, Harry recently talked about it, and um, and it's just it's very very sad. And, and, and I, I feel, I, I cannot even imagine like the, everything after that, it, 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 it you, you, you'd have to see the news footage of it. it. It's just like, I think Charles was in a daze. He mm. was there. He brought her body back with her sisters at that time, at the end of her life, they, it sounded like they had, they had, they got, went their separate ways, but they were living their lives, but they were like cordial. Right. Yeah. It wasn't as nasty as the the divorce was right so um so they they were just as like shocked that the country was thrown for a loop um they were really angry there's a great documentary called um seven days after diana's death Mm. which delves into the psyche of how people felt um but again i think you should read harry's book about like he said that people he was like shaking people's hands and their hands were wet Cause they were like sobbing and hmm. it's like, I couldn't even cry because I didn't like, I, I was so traumatized by the whole thing and just the whole, and that was the most, I think it still is the most watched thing on television was her funeral. Hmm. Like more than half the world was watching. This was such a big deal. And I think people sometimes forget, but, um, but yeah, it, it was a, a major impact. I think it was, done tastefully in a way that we're, we're obviously we don't need to know that the gruesome details what happened but but the sudden the suddenness of it was so sad so sad so um again i i i i hope because now it's it's now been officially released as something that community theaters can do yeah. i don't know how they would with how <laughs> much money they'd have to spend on these dresses right but oh i would I, I even if i'm stage crew i i just i would really like to be a production of it because i think it it, it it definitely has it definitely has it should have a life of its own again i'm i'm curious what the west end is going to do mm-hmm. i wish i had money to go over there like yeah. if i had, if we won the jackpot you and i'd be going over there and <laughs> we'd be going to see it and be like hmm what's going to be different right right <laughs> oh i would it would be very interesting to see, yeah be in the theater with this piece and oh, see how yes. that changes it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd have sure. to be like, I can't sing along, but I'm going to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like the James Hewitt thing, when that played, when my mom and I were watching it for the first time, we just turned and looked at each other. And then I started laughing. I was like, oh my God. Well, if you're going to go for camp, here we right. go. <laughs> right. There you go. For sure. All right. Let's move on i'm also really excited to talk about this next song and show for the why is this so good section which is uh the song hopefully i'm pronouncing this correctly vivre from notre dame de paris mm-hmm. yep. and i'm super excited to talk about this show and song because it's a French show and I'm so fascinated by musical theater and other languages, other cultures, but yeah. So why did you pick this song for, why is this so good? Well, I, I, I saw a pro shot. There's a pro shot of this back in 1998 in, mm-hmm. in France that they did with the original French cast. And it was a huge hit over there. Huge, huge hit. Um, and they finally brought it over to the States. Not this, well, they brought it this past summer, but originally last summer, 
with one of the original Frollos from the, mm. the production. So I was like, I got to go. So I went to finally see it because I've always loved it. It was really great. I didn't get to go this summer. I wish I had. I just didn't have time. Yeah. Um, but it's a show that's really, truly based on the book version of the hunchback it's not the disney one right um so yes it, it does have the tragic ending um but it, it it's it's so unique in, in its style and approach to uh the story and i really really enjoy it this specific piece is um in translation it means to live so uh basically elsmeralda is singing the song before the night of her um forthcoming um execution and so um, basically in the song, if you listen to the French version, um, she sings that she wants to live, to love, to have known love, to have been loved. And I think that uh, it encompasses what, if many of us were put into a position like that or, or if anything, you know, when you hear about how somebody, there are sad moments where you hear about horrible disasters or things where people have left messages for loved ones or texted them. And the word that I, that I remember hearing about most when I do my research is love, 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 love. And, and I, I love this song for that reason where I'm using love. Um, and uh, I didn't even know Celine Dion covered the English translated version of it, which is why I included that too. I had the French version um, that was sung, but I also included the, uh, that version because I think she does a little bit something different with it, which I really love too. Mm-hmm. Um, love, 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 love. Um, but, uh, but it, it's a great piece and, and, um, and it's nice to have Elsmeralda have her own song at the very end to kind of, um, to kind of summarize what the show is about, um, and, and give her a voice one last time before everything kind of goes into disasters and uh, the tragedy of the ending. <laughs> So um, really love that piece and, and the way it's structured and, and the way it's put um, out is they put her on like a, this big 
big towering column on the very mm. top. Um, and they kind of just push the column out in the middle. And it, it's just a, it's a wonderful piece for a female performer too, because it's very emotional and, and you're out there by yourself and you're high up in the air. And it's like, I, I can't even imagine the women that get to do this part. Um, but uh, they all sound amazing, but uh, I really love Celine's version of it. It's really good too. I, I feel like lyrics and, you know, that are not in English, it's hard to even, uh, talk about them in a way because it's just not it's you know it's not my it's not my language I don't speak French but um at the I have up like a English translation of the French lyrics but also the English lyrics with you know it's different you know the translation for the English it version doesn't of the sound song as good it's it, different yeah it doesn't have it doesn't have the 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 romanticism with the French version like obviously the translation is never going to be as good as the French version so right yeah so just to give a sense of what the lyrics are I'm not going to read them in French but if you you can definitely look them up in French but the translation of the French is the night is so beautiful and I'm so alone I do not want to die I'd like to go on singing dancing and smiling I don't want to die to die before having loved and then it goes on to live for the one who is loved, to love more than love itself, to give without expecting something in return. Um, goes on, goes on. The last part is to love like night and day, to love until dying of love. Is that? Yeah, it has a much more poetic, I think, feel to it than the English translation of it's still poetic but it's um you know the the actual i think this yeah a million stars light this beautiful night this is not a night to die let me sing and dance beneath the sky i have such love to give to give i want a chance to live is how the english how they kind of clean it up yeah <laughs> it's so yeah. interesting because i've never i never really watched musicals that were in other languages and right. and and delving into some translations this past year was so interesting to me because I'm like, wow, some things could be taken in, in it. Like I was watching a French version of the Romeo and Juliet musical, mm-hmm. which is another really great, fun, campy musical. <laughs> but the English translation is atrocious. I, I was mm-hmm. like, where are, like, it was just really, really bad. I'm like, I could write something better. So I did. I did my own <laughs> translation of nice. one of the songs. Um, and I really loved it. It was really fun. But I, I just... I, what they did with this translation, because the show is not just from France, you know, they, they toured it. It's everywhere. It's very popular in China. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and um, so the, but sometimes they just do the, the French version there because they just, it sounds like that the, the, the Chinese really just love to hear the French version. They just yeah. have the little screen that has the right. translations into their language. So uh, that's what they did for the New York show. It's mm-hmm. in French, but the translations are on the side. Now, when I went to see it and I brought my friend who had never seen the show before, the screen broke oh, before no. the show started. So this poor girl is watching this show, has no idea what they're saying, but she got it. Like, yeah. it's a story where it's visually, it, 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 it works. So then she watched it at home, the pro shot with yeah. the translation. She's like, oh, okay. It, it fills in some gaps, but she loved it. So yeah. that was fun. Oh, cool. Was well, I'm so glad to... <laughs> to know this show um i love i mean i read the book like 10 years ago i loved it um but yeah that's I on think my that- list i have to read yeah. it 
It's good. I think there's, I think our, our main like experience with French musicals in translation is Les Mis, you know? So it's, which is just like a yes. whole different, <laughs> like a whole different thing. There is a French version of Les Mis that nobody <laughs> really listens to. This is in translation, but I saw hair in French. So I saw it, an, an oh, English yeah. music turned into French, you know, <laughs> English musical <laughs> turned fun? into French. It was cool. It was just cool to like experience something in like a different language. It makes you, it really does make you think about the, not that I know French, but like it makes you think about words more because I, mm -hmm. uh, you know, oh, like, how would they translate this? Like, like, what, how are they doing? Like, how does this turn into this? And this, mm -hmm. I, I could go the same way, French to English, too. A million stars light This beautiful night This is not a night to die Let me sing and dance Beneath the sky I have such love to give, to give. I want a chance to live, live for the one I love, love as no one as Let's go into our final section, something wonderful, just something upcoming or current in musical theater uh, that we are excited about and want to give a shout out to. Well, we, we talked a little bit about Fanny Bryce, but I got to go back to Barbara. Um, <laughs> Barbara Streisand is officially releasing her memoir, uh, which is a shocker because she's always said, I I'm not going to do anything of that sort. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but I guess she feels like it's time. And I, I'm, I'm really excited to read this. It's going to be called My Name is Barbara coming out on November 7th of this year, which is, it's a, I think that's the same week that The Crown airs its last season. So mm -hmm. my mom and I will be very busy that week. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be having a ball. Um, so I can't wait to read what she has to say about all of her experiences. Um, that's what I'm really looking forward to. It, hopefully it will be something wonderful. But with Barbara, she's such a perfectionist. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be mm. wonderful. Looking forward to Spamalot. Spamalot has uh, officially been announced. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and I didn't see that the first time around, so. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with that cast, I don't know if you saw who's playing uh, Herbert, but. Uh, I don't know he... who's who. I don't know which is which. I saw, um... I saw some of the cast announced. Yeah. Yeah. Most of them are from the, the, the version they just did like last year for right. that, that stage. Most of it's the same, but um, uh, I, I'm really interested to see what they're going to do because I don't think it actually should have a revival right now mm. because it hasn't been that long. Yeah. And even the producers hasn't had a revival. Right. Right. <laughs> and that's older than that. It's just, it just feels weird. Like it don't do a revival unless you're actually going to really change mm -hmm. it. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Scene to Song. You can write to scenetosong at gmail.com with a comment or question about an episode or about musical theater, or if you'd like to be a podcast guest. 
Love this podcast? Help it find more listeners by rating it on Apple Podcasts and leaving a review. Follow on Instagram at Scene to Song, on Twitter or X at Scene Song, and on Facebook at Scene to Song with Shoshana Greenberg Podcast. Sign up for our monthly e-newsletter at scenetosong.substack.com and contribute to our Patreon. The theme music you are hearing is by Julia Meinwald. And check back here in four weeks on December 11th for our next episode. <laughs>